Welcome to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. It is Tuesday, October 5th, 2021, and we are live. Hope everybody's doing well today. People still recovering from the Facebook apps being down for a good portion of the day on Monday. Um, so still trying to find out exactly what happened there. We know the Facebook whistleblower was on Capitol Hill today. Uh, so maybe we'll talk a little bit about that tomorrow. All right. So uh, at the end of yesterday's show, I announced that I would be on Roland Martin Unfiltered on today. Normally I'm on Fridays and I'll be on Friday also. But his uh, producer contacted me and uh, yesterday asked if I could come on, uh, actually come on on Monday. I said I couldn't do Monday, but I could do Tuesday. So I was on the day, and hopefully it doesn't screw my uh, days up, and I think tomorrow Saturday. <laughs> okay, but <laughs> we discussed um, the story that a lot of people are talking about, and we posted on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network, about this. But a jury, a federal jury in San Francisco has awarded a former uh, contract employee at Tesla, an African-American man uh, named Owen Diaz. They've awarded him $137 million, nearly $137 million in uh, this discrimination lawsuit. Okay. A federal jury in San Francisco has ordered Tesla to pay nearly $137 million to an African-American elevator operator who, who an African-American elevator operator who accused uh, Tesla of ignoring racial bias, uh, ignoring racial abuse he faced while working at uh, Tesla at a, a factory for Tesla. So we're going to talk about this case here. And we discussed it on uh, Roland Martin Unfiltered uh, for a little bit today. So we'll let you hear uh, the panel discussion on that topic. It's a very, very uh, interesting case here. And I, I read there's a good article from the New York Times about this case. Um. And this brother went to human resources to report the abuse and they were calling him racial names, including the N word, things like this, it appears. Uh, he said a supervisor and other colleagues repeatedly referred to him using racial slurs. Okay. Uh, so we'll talk about this. His name is uh, Owen Diaz. All right. His son also ended up working at Tesla and uh, endure, endured uh, uh, apparently verbal racial abuse as well. So we'll talk about that story. And then um, the U.S. Senate is going to take up the uh, debate on the John Lewis Voting Rights Act on Wednesday. There, there was a protest outside of the White House today voting rights activists 
including a pastor, a nun and an architect uh, and, and an architect of the Souls to the Poles movement were arrested Tuesday, uh, October 5th, during a peaceful protest in front of the White House. And they, they're uh, trying to put pressure on President Joe Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris, to put pressure on the Senate to end the filibuster. Now, late today, Associated Press uh, reported that uh, uh, Joe Biden is hinting that uh, a filibuster carve-out would be used, a carve-out to the filibuster would be used uh, when it comes to the um, uh, debt ceiling. Okay, when it comes to the debt ceiling, we'll pull this uh, piece up here from the Associated Press also. Okay, uh, Senate, Senate filibuster challenge. Uh, yeah, we'll pull this up here. Um, Biden, uh, Senate filibuster change on debt, a real possibility. Okay, and if you do a carve out for uh, the debt ceiling, you need to do a carve out also for voting rights as well. But we talked about this on Roland Martin Unfiltered. So we'll discuss that as well. TheGrio.com has a good article from uh, April Ryan. I read April Ryan's piece for The Grio. Um, so uh, I'm not sure if people know that uh, they're going to debate the uh, John Lewis Voting Rights Act in the Senate tomorrow. So we'll be paying attention to that as well. Senator uh, Joe Manchin is still trying to get support for the, uh, he's still trying to get support for the, uh, for the people, for the people act that he helped write. He's trying to get support from Republicans. Uh, I don't think he's going to be able to get 10 Republicans to support that bill. So they're, they're going to end up having to do a carve out for voting rights as well. Cause you're not going to be able to get 10 Republicans to uh, support that bill. And you're not going to be able to get it passed during the uh, budget re reconciliation process either. So you're going to have to do uh, a carve out to the filibuster. So we'll discuss that as well. We, we talked about this also on Roland Martin Unfiltered as well. So we'll share that segment. Um, on tomorrow's show, we'll talk more about the lawsuit that uh, Benjamin Crump and the family of Henrietta Lacks filed on yesterday, uh, October 4th, which was the 70th anniversary of her passing. Uh, we also discussed that today on Roland Martin Unfiltered, but we'll share that segment tomorrow. And um, yesterday, if you missed yesterday's show, uh, our Monday show, go back and watch it. It's on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, and our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. There's also an audio podcast format. Just download the iHeartRadio app and search for the African History Network show. Um, all of our shows, we have, uh, I think iHeart has maybe about 300 of my shows podcasted there. Wherever you get your audio podcast from, search for the African History Network show. So uh, I saw a really good interview today that Joanne, Joanne Reed did on the readout with uh, Benjamin Crump and uh, Henrietta Lack's grandson. Okay. So we'll discuss that again on tomorrow's show because there's even more information that has come out as well. 
All right, and we'll do a quick recap of what we covered Sunday in class number one of ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade where they didn't teach you in school. That's a 10-week online course um, that I teach uh, on the weekend. We teach this one on Sunday. It just started up. So uh, next class is uh, Sunday, October 10th. As soon as you register for it, you can watch class number one. We did uh, almost three hours. It's supposed to be two hours. We did almost three hours. I just kept going. Um, ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. This is a 10-week online course. We deal with thousands of years of history and what led up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. And we do the sessions live. All the sessions are recorded. You can go back and watch it over and over again. You can watch from around the world. You have access to the class even after the class is over with. Okay, so visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com to register for uh, the 10-week online course. And we'll talk some more about it um, later on in the show. And we'll post a link here where you can register for it as well. Now, on the African History Network show, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world. Because right now, it's correct wrong behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself. And what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. So when you control the radius of a man or a woman's thoughts, you can control the circumference of his or her actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. Now, we deal with a number of different topics here on the African History Network show. We deal with current events in history and politics, education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, relationships, love, sex, health issues, and much, much more. Sign up for our email newsletter. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, to 22828. To sign up for our email newsletter, text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, to 22828. To sign up for our email newsletter. Also visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. All right, I want to jump into uh, this first topic here dealing with Tesla. So this is a very, very interesting story here. We're going to go to uh, the clip from Roland Martin Unfiltered. Uh, here in just a minute. So I, I read uh, the story from Associated Press and from uh, New York Times. Jury orders Tesla to pay $137 million to a former worker over racist treatment, to a former worker over racist treatment. So the worker is uh, Owen Diaz, African-American man, Owen Diaz. Uh, here he is with his son, uh, Dimitrik. Dimitrik also worked at uh, Tesla. Uh, his father helped him get into the company. And um, from the reports here, uh, Dimitrik also suffered racial abuse. He tried to file a lawsuit, lawsuit, but the lawsuit was thrown out. Now, a federal jury in San Francisco has ordered Tesla to pay nearly $137 million paid nearly $137 million to an African-American elevator operator who accused the car maker of ignoring racial abuse he faced while working at uh, a Tesla factory. Uh, Owen Diaz said he worked at the factory in Fremont, California for about a year uh, in 2015 and uh, 2016. Uh, There he said a supervisor and other colleagues repeatedly referred to him using racial slurs. He said as a supervisor and other colleagues repeatedly referred to him using racial slurs. He gave an account of his experience in a 2018 article in the New York Times. 
Now, in an interview on Monday, October 4th, uh, Monday evening, October 4th, Owen Diaz said uh, he was relieved by the jury's verdict delivered earlier in the day. This was a federal jury in San Francisco. He said, quote, it took four long years to get to this point. He said, it's like a big weight has been pulled off my shoulders, end quote. Now, he said employees had drawn swastikas and scratched a, um, a racial epithet in a bathroom stall and left drawings of derogatory caricatures of African-American children around the factory. So this is creating a hostile environment. Now, I, don't know, I don't know how many people were involved in this, but this is creating a hostile environment. Now, despite repeated complaints, the company Tesla did little to address the behavior, he said. He said, quote, it's not like they were removing the offensive behavior. They would just let people keep adding and adding. It's not like they were removing the offensive behavior. Behavior. They would just let people keep adding and adding, end quote. Now, the jury agreed with Owen Diaz's assertion that Tesla had created a hostile work environment by failing to address the racism he faced. A vast majority of the award, $130 million, was uh, punitive damages against Tesla. The rest, $6.9 million, was for past and future non-economic damages, for past and future non-economic damages to Mr. Diaz. Now, uh, Owen Diaz's uh, attorney, Lawrence Organ, of the California Civil Rights Law Group said in the interview, quote, it's a great thing, it's a great thing when one of the richest corporations in America has to have a reckoning of the abhorrent conditions at its factory for black people. Abhorrent conditions for uh, at its factory for black people. We're gonna continue this on the other side of the break. Listen to the African History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m. on the Superstation of Future Radio. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Black on Purpose Television Network. Yes, Black on Purpose Television Network. All black, all positive, all the time. The largest black-owned streaming television network in the world. Bringing our people together worldwide. Controlling our messages, our stories, our way. Black TV the way it should be. Black music, black history, and more. 30 plus channels, thousands of shows. Black on Purpose Television Network. Subscribe now. We all know the cannabis industry is headed toward an uprise in the past decade. What happens when there is a brand that brings this uprise in a blow? The cannabis industry welcomes her uprise. Hustle Her Hemp. Delivering excellence with pride is her watchword, and how you choose to embrace it makes it a priority. From cultivating rich cannabis into exquisite and tastefully finished CBD products to delivery, Hustle Her Hemp leaves no stone unturned. Hustle Her Hemp's mission is to empower women of color by building business and creating legacies, uniting beauty, health, and business. We are a pure definition of how we want the CBD industry to become in the future. While we are redefining innovation, we bring the same energy to improving the quality of life. 
Hustle Her Hemp is the new Uprise. Network show we deal with current events in history and politics, education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, relationships, love, sex, health issues, and much, much more. Unfortunately, many people confuse what racism is. Racism is a power structure. It was laws and policies that put us in this predicament. It's going to be laws and policies that take us out. So when you control the radius of a man or woman's thoughts, you control the compass of his or her actions because the mind can't do what people it doesn't know. We have it all on 910 AM Superstation. <laughs> 910, the Superstation, Detroit's only African-American talk radio. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Tuesday, uh, October 5th, 2021, and we are live. Call in numbers 313-778-7600, 313-778-7600. Is the calling number if you have a uh, question or comment. So right before the break, we were talking about this story here. Um, a federal jury in San Francisco has ordered Tesla, the electric car manufacturer, has ordered Tesla to pay a $137 million settlement to an African-American man who uh, uh, alleged a racial abuse while working at Tesla. Okay, we're going to go back to the story here. We're going to go to uh, clip two from Roland Martin Unfiltered, uh, Shakita. Uh, so Owen Diaz worked for Tesla from 2015 to 2016. Now, he was a contract employee. He was an elevator operator. And he testified um, about uh, racial abuse uh, from his supervisor um, as well as colleagues. He said, he said a supervisor and other colleagues repeatedly referred to him using racial slurs. He gave an account of his experience in a 2018 article in the New York Times. Uh, he also talked about uh, swastikas that were drawn. Uh, he said employees had drawn swastikas and scratched a racial epithet in a bathroom stall and left drawings of derogatory caricatures of black children around the factory. Despite repeated complaints, the company did little to address the behavior, he said. Now, uh, the company, let's see. Now, his son also ended up working at uh, Tesla. And he said he reached his breaking point when uh, he witnessed similar racial epithets directed his son. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Okay. Now he said, it's not like they were removing the offensive behavior. They would just let people keep adding and adding. Now the jury agreed uh, with Mr. Diaz's assertion that Tesla had created a hostile work environment by failing to address the racism he faced. Uh, he said that he reached his breaking point when he witnessed similar racist epithets directed at his son, uh, Dimitrik, who secured a job, uh, his, uh, in his first job at Tesla with his father's help, uh, Owen Diaz's help. Uh, 
He said, quote, my son watched his father being broken in front of him. Now, in a message to Tesla, in a message to Tesla staff members that was posted on the company's website, Valerie Capers Workman, W-O-R-K-M-A-N, Valerie Capers Workman, a human resources executive, noted that Owen Diaz was a contractor with Tesla, not a Tesla employee. And she played down the allegations in the lawsuit. Now, I, maybe just for the purposes of being accurate, she wants to say he was a contractor and not an actual employee of Tesla, but um, does that, uh, hopefully she's not trying to say that makes it okay for the type of behavior or, or, or the abuse that he endured or what have you. She said, quote, in addition to Mr. Diaz, three other witnesses, um, three other witnesses, all non-Tesla contract employees testified at trial that they regularly heard racial slurs, including the N-word on the Fremont factory floor, end quote, she wrote. Okay. In addition to Owen Diaz, three other witnesses, all non-Tesla contract employees, meaning that um, they work for Tesla, they're employed by Tesla, they're not contract employees. Three other witnesses testified at trial that they regularly heard racial slurs on the Fremont factory floor, she wrote. While they all agreed that the use of the N-word was not appropriate in the workplace, they 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 also agreed that most of uh, most of the time they thought the language was used in a friendly manner and usually by African-American colleagues. But if he's complaining, if Owen Diaz is complaining to human resources, whoever it is about the language, even if it's the N-word, the company still should do something about it. Because, see, all African-Americans don't play that game. All of us, see, I don't call people the N-word. And I don't play that game where you call me the N-word. We don't do that. That's a derogatory term. It's not, a, it's not a term of endearment. If you think the N-word is a term of endearment, I would argue you are in an abusive relationship and you should get out. Everybody don't play that. So just because uh, you may have some people who agree, who say, oh, well, the, uh, it was used in a friendly manner. Everybody, everybody's not friends like that. Now, the company, uh, she wrote in the email, Tesla, she wrote in the email, was responsive to Dr. Diaz's complaints, firing two contractors and suspending another. This is what um, Valerie Capers Workman, a human resources executive for Tesla, is saying. She said, she wrote in the email, Tesla was responsive to Owen Diaz's complaints, firing two contractors and suspending another. Tesla does not believe the facts justify the verdict, she wrote but acknowledged that the company was quote unquote, not perfect in 2015 and 2016. What does that mean? The company was not perfect. She said, quote, we're still not perfect, but we have come a long way. Okay. You came a long way since when 2015, 2016, when the allegations were made, you came a long way since when? See when, <laughs> When, when you have somebody who is a, is, is a human resources executive for Tesla who says 
the company has come a long way. The company's not perfect. She acknowledged that Tesla was not perfect in 2015 and 2016, and we're still not perfect, perfect, but we've come a long way. I have a whole lot of questions <laughs> from a statement like that. Now, Owen Diaz sued Tesla alongside his son and another African and another former African-American employee, but only Owen Diaz's claims made it to trial. His son's claims did not make it make it to trial. It was not clear whether Tesla planned to appeal uh, this verdict and and uh, the damages award. All right. So this is uh, good news. And when Africans complain about a uh, racially abusive uh, environment, racially charged environment, you know, you have to take action. Yeah, you fight. Now, what what I have not been able to ascertain is how many Tesla employees or contract workers, how many individuals were involved in the racial abuse. So they fired, they fired two, um, I think they fired two contractors and one non-contract person. Okay. Um, but how many people were involved? So I want to go to this clip here. Uh, from Roland Martin and Filter. We discussed this uh, on today's show. Uh, let's go to clip two, Shakita. All right, folks, Tesla, they got to pay $137 million to a former black worker who said he suffered racial abuse at the electric car maker San Francisco Bay Area factory. A San Francisco jury concluded the elevator operator Owen Diaz was subjected to racial harassment and a hostile work environment. He worked at the Fremont factory in 2015 and 2016, he said he faced daily harassment from co-workers, including the use of the N-word, and that swastikas and racist graffiti and drawings uh, were displayed around the plant. That's a whole lot there. Man, $137 million, uh, Michael. Uh, bottom line is racism. Y'all want to keep playing games with it? Now you got to pay up. Uh, yeah, Roland, you know, now they have to pay up. But also, when you read, when you study this case, he made numerous complaints to, it appears, uh, human resources. He made numerous complaints and they were ignored also. So, uh, yeah, this, this is uh, huge. Um, and uh, an HR executive from Tesla is trying to downplay the severity of it. But it's like, no, the, 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 the jury disagreed with that. Uh, so $137 million uh, judgment. So, yeah, they have to pay you up on this one. As they say, uh, Teresa, you're going to learn today. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know what? This black uh, elevator operator um, is another black man. He's an individual. He is not a piece of trash. He is an individual who works for a billion-dollar company, and he needs to be treated with respect because without him, some of those people wouldn't be in their office making some of those big decisions. So we need to respect our service. We need to service workers, and we would respect those um, who respect us daily. So good for him. All right, Mustafa. Well, well, let's put it in perspective. Elon Musk is worth $200 billion as of yesterday, and it continues to go up. So this brother deserves every penny that he gets, and hopefully Tesla will get its act together to make sure that this type of behavior never happens again. So if you want to be a part of a new clean economy and tell the world that, you know, you want to see change happen, 
change has to start within your organization. And leaders should also lead. Uh, Michael, Mustafa, Teresa, I certainly appreciate y'all joining us today. Okay, pause it right there. Early, so let me explain pause, to you. Pause right there. Uh, we are here. In- okay, and we're going to go to clip one here in just a second. Um, so in the article from New York Times, now, the, once again, just clarification here, um, the uh, Valerie Capers Workman, human resources executive, said that uh, the company uh, was responsive to Mr. Diaz's complaint, firing two contractors and suspending another. Apparently, it wasn't enough. Apparently, it wasn't enough. Now, in the, in the piece from the New York Times, they have a link to the 2018 uh, interview that they did with uh, Diaz, and, and and they ran they ran this story. The New York Times ran this story here in 2018. Some of you, some of you may have seen it. Menial tasks, slurs, and swastikas. Many black workers at Tesla say they face racism. Many black workers at Tesla say they face racism. African-American workers have reported threats, humiliation, and barriers to promotion at the, at the Tesla plant. The automaker says there is, no ba- there is no pattern of bias. The automaker says there is no pattern of bias. Now, this article is from November 30th, 2018. And his uh, Owen Diaz on the right and his son, Dimitri. Okay. And uh, Owen Diaz is the one that won lawsuit today. But in this article, they talk about the uh, racial epithets being yelled, uh, 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 yelled at them and things like this, being called the N-word, et cetera. And, and, and apparently from his description is the N-word in the, in the word E-R, not A. Okay. Now, I'm, I'm not with either one of them, but still. Okay. That's... <laughs> You know, now this took place between 2015-2016. There's a time of the presidential election, the 2016 presidential election that Donald, the man is Donald Trump, and making many white people feel comfortable with their white supremacy. I don't know how big of an impact it had with this, but I wouldn't be surprised if it played a part. Okay. All right, so we have that story now. Uh, I want to go to I want to go to this other story here. So the John Lewis Voting Rights Act is uh, going to be debated in the Senate on Wednesday, okay, Wednesday, October sixth, uh, and there was a protest outside of the White House today. Uh, it was a Voting Rights Act uh, protest. Um, April Ryan has a good piece here for thegrio.com. White House protests challenging Biden, uh, Biden Harris on voting rights. Okay, White uh, White House protests challenging Biden Harris on voting rights bill ends in arrest, and they want uh, they're calling for Joe Biden and uh, Vice President Kamala Harris to put pressure on the Senate to end the filibuster, okay? Um, Voting rights activists, including, voting rights activists, including a pastor, um, including a pastor, a nun, and an architect of the Souls to the Polls movement were arrested Tuesday during a peaceful protest in front of the White House. The small group started their demonstration around Black Lives Matter Plaza 
in Washington, D.C., and ultimately crossed the barrier at the White House, resulting in them being criminally charged by the U.S. United States Secret Service. Uh, uh, ben Jealous was also uh, arrested. Ben Jealous, uh, former president of the, of the NAACP, uh, he was also arrested as well. Now, uh, Ben Jealous told the Grio uh, that the mission of the demonstration, here's a picture of uh, some of them being arrested. Uh, and there's some, you know, there's white nuns and uh, a white nun and some white people with them also. Now, the, as I said on Roller Martin the Filth of the Day, those 200,000 women that were out this past weekend protesting for uh, reproductive rights and things like that, I totally understand that. But they, but they have to be involved in this fight because if if voting rights is framed as an African American issue, we're going to lose in the Senate. If voting rights, I've said this before. And, and a lot of people don't don't understand this. They keep trying to make it a black issue. It's not. No, it's not. If voting rights is an American issue. If you try to make this a black issue, you're going to lose in the Senate. There's only two and a half black people in the, in the entire U.S. Senate. And I say half because uh, Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina, half the time he doesn't act like it. And I don't I'm not even sure if Tim Scott supports the uh, John Lewis Voting Rights Act or or the the uh, the, the bill that Joe Manchin. Uh, help write the uh, the um, freedom to vote uh, 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 freedom to vote act. I'm not even sure if uh, Senator Tim Scott supports that, but you're going to need ten Republicans. You're going to need ten Republicans to um, vote for this bill. Otherwise, it's going to fail. Okay, and then you're going to have to do a carve out. All right, but if you don't have ten Republicans to vote for this bill, it's not going to work. Okay, now uh, let's go back to this article here from uh, the Grio quickly. Then we're going to go to this clip because we talked about it on Roller Martin and Filter today. Uh, so uh, Ben Jealous said he wants uh, them. To, he wants uh, Joe Biden to quote call on the Senate to remove the filibuster as an obstacle in passing voting rights. Okay. And they're out protesting today because the Senate takes up the John Lewis Voting Rights Act on Wednesday. They're going to debate that in the Senate on Wednesday. Now, the filibuster, a parliamentary uh, procedure in the United States, is used uh, to delay or block a vote on a bill, usually by the political party in the minority, and has been used for decades. The filibuster has been amended by both Democrats and Republicans to allow a simple majority for presidential nominees, judicial appointments, and Supreme Court confirmations. Rather than the two-thirds majority the filibuster requires for most legislation in the 100-member Senate chamber, okay? You're going to have to do a carve-out to the filibuster to get the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act passed because no, no Republicans are going to vote for that. No Republicans are going to vote for the bill. You didn't have any Republicans in the in the House of Representatives that voted for the George Floyd Justice and the Policing Act. That bill passed uh, March 3rd, 2021, by a vote of 220 to 212. 200, 212 Republicans voted no on the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act in the House of Representatives. The only people that supported that were Democrats. Now, the recent arrest outside the White House also happens to fall on uh, National education week national voter education week national voter education week as well as the eve of the united states senate debate 
on the John Lewis Voting Rights Act scheduled for Wednesday. Okay, and this is why they were out there to put pressure on the Senate because they're going to debate the John Lewis Voting Rights Act uh, bill in the Senate on Wednesday. Okay, read the rest of this article here from thegrio.com. Great article by April Ryan, uh, White House correspondent for the Grio. White House protests challenging Biden on voting rights bills on voting rights bill ends in arrest. Now, um, this evening, uh, the, the see, there was an article from the Associated Press, uh, Biden Senate filibuster change on debt, a real possibility. Okay, now Biden's already said he supports changing the filibuster back to a standing filibuster. He even said that about three months ago in the uh, CNN town hall debate I'm just saying, seeing seeing in town hall meeting with Don Lemon. Okay, a lot of people don't talk about the fact that he, he said that, but yeah. Um, so you have to get that voted on in the Senate and get Manchin and Cinema uh, on with that as well. Um, and Joe Manchin is against getting rid of the filibuster, but changing it. You got a better chance of doing that. And the other thing is, is um, the Freedom to Vote Act that Joe Manchin helped write with Senator Raphael Warnock of Georgia. um, You're not going to get 10 Republicans to vote for that, which is going to force his hand. And because he said he can get 10 Republicans to vote for that bill that he wrote, he's not going to be able to get 10 Republicans to vote for that bill. That's not it's not going to happen. For Republicans really ain't is not in their best interest. To, su- to support it because they are trying to tank the Biden administration and, and they're focused on suppressing the vote. Now, if they if they wanted to uh, make it easier for people to vote, okay, if, 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 if Republicans wanted to make it easier for people to vote, then they would support the bill. It's not in their interest to make it easier for people to vote. They want to suppress the vote because they have a, they are overwhelmingly white and white people have a declining population in the country, as the 2020 census shows us. Uh, this is the first time since 1790 that the percentage of white people in this country dropped below 60 percent. Biden Senate filibuster change on debt, a real possibility. This is from the Associated Press. This deals with uh, uh, the debt limit uh, to get around Republicans obstruction. President Joe Biden said Tuesday that Democrats are considering uh, considering a change to the Senate filibuster rules in order to quickly approve lifting the nation's debt limit and avoid what would be a devastating credit default. The president's uh, surprise remarks come come as the Senate is tangled in a fiscally dangerous standoff over a vote that's needed to suspend the nation's debt limit and allow the federal government to continue borrowing to pay down its balances. Congress has just days to act before the October 18th deadline when the Treasury Department has warned it will run short of funds to handle the nation's already accrued debt load. So um, so people are saying, well, wait a second, if you do a carve out for the, de- for the, uh, the debt limit, okay, then you need to do a carve out for voting rights, for the uh, Voting Rights Act, John Lewis Voting Rights Act, the uh, Freedom to Vote, the uh, Freedom to uh, Vote Act, and the John and the uh, George Floyd Justice and Policing Act also, because you're not going to get Republicans to support that. 
the, none of them supported those bills in the Senate, basically. And they're not going, I mean, none of them support those bills in the House and they're not going to support it in the Senate. So let's go to this clip here from uh, Roland Martin and Filter. We discussed this uh, today at the beginning of the show. Let's go to this clip, Shakita, clip one. Okay, uh, you may have to take it off mute. Over the weekend, President Joe Biden went to Capitol Hill to fight for his infrastructure bill, his Build America Better plan, but he is not going to Capitol Hill to press Democrats to do the exact same thing for voting. Well, Black Voters Matter and other protesters took it to him are showing up today in front of the White House protesting demanding change, demanding change. Uh, folks, we have, yeah, go ahead and roll the video, please, uh, saying that he needs to be doing more when it comes to voting. They have been demanding the For the People Act as well as the John Lewis Voting Act. Of course, uh, Democrats have not uh, moved on that. You have uh, Arizona Senator Christian Sinema as well as uh, Senator Joe Manchin. Uh, of course, um, they are uh, standing in the way of that. We've not seen, again, any action uh, taking uh, so far uh, on these voter bills. What we are seeing, we're seeing the protests continue, come back, making it plain that they actually want to see more things done to get uh, voting rights in this country. And so uh, that's one of the things you're seeing. They were here in D.C., as I said, uh, fighting to get uh, those voting rights. And so they want uh, something to be done about this very issue. Uh, this is critically important when you look at, of course, uh, the voter suppression efforts being put in place by Republicans uh, all over the state. Now, what are we dealing with now? Uh, voter ID laws, uh, of course. As many of these the Republican led states are pushing more of these voter ID laws uh, all across the country. And so uh, this is going to impact the 2020 midterm elections, and that's why people want to see things change. Thirty-three um, laws have been passed that will negatively impact black voters and other voters as well. Some of these laws on areas, including dealing with election officials, voter ID, mail-in voting, and early voting. We've seen bills passed in Texas, uh, in Georgia as well. Uh, here's an example, folks. Uh, Elmira Hicks, 82 years old, does not have a birth certificate, uh, which makes it impossible for her to renew her driver's license. Well, without her license, she can't register to vote. Hicks, like many African-Americans born in the early 20th century, was born with the assistance of a midwife and records were not kept. She has been denied a birth certificate due to some technicality. Without a birth certificate, again, she can't get a license and will not be able to vote. These are the type of instances that are being brought up uh, all across uh, the country. Now, remember, the House of Representatives, uh, they passed the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act in August. The Senate has not taken up action uh, on this particular uh, bill. And so what we are seeing uh, is the continuing efforts to force the Senate to move on these various uh, bills. My panel, Teresa Lundy, principal founder of TML Communications, Dr. Mustafa Santiago Ali, environmental justice CPA, Michael Imhotep, host of the African History Network uh, show. Glad to have all three of you here. Uh, what we are seeing here, uh, Mustafa, what we're seeing is the continuing focus, putting pressure. This is where President Joe Biden has got to step up. Like I said, he went to Capitol Hill and he came to his $3.5 trillion economic plan. He has not done that 
when it comes to voting legislation? It's all about priorities. You know, um, the president, like you said, he cares about what's happening in relationship to the infrastructure bill, so he's leaning in. He has to lean in on this as well. It all begins and ends with the vote. I, I'm, I, I'm never sure why these folks are not as active um, on ensuring that everyone has the opportunity to fully participate in the civic process. On the Republican side of the ledger, they are very focused. They understand that by actually getting small percentages of folks not being able to vote, that it will tip it into their favor. They understand how to utilize power. They understand how to get engaged and, and actually win on the issues that they care about. President Biden and the Democrats have got to get serious in the Senate and make sure they are passing these critical pieces of legislation that give everyday folks the opportunity to actually be a part of this democracy. And if they're not willing to do it, then how can you continue to ask black and brown folks to show up, to stand, you know, in extreme heat or extreme cold, to stand in these situations where they have individuals who, you know, want to do them harm, to stand when you're in dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. We've done our work. We've shown up. So they have the responsibility now to make sure they're pushing the Senate, whether it is mansion or cinema, to do the right thing. You know, Teresa, um, again, it's about it's about pressure. It's about President Joe Biden using his power, leaning on these senators. Well, black voters, they want to see a Biden that's engaged on this. Look, he said a variety of things when he was running for president, what he was going to make happen. Black folks are saying, fine, make it happen. We can't hear you, Teresa. Teresa, we can't hear you. Now we can hear you. Perfect. Sorry about that. Anytime you have 19 states that pass um, 33 um, new laws that make it harder to vote, it always is a very interesting process when it comes to the African-American voice and what it actually means in the voting process. So states, um, you know, have been putting up stricter uh, laws, but I also think that it's also an attention to our the Commonwealth. So when we look at Republican-led Senate and Republican-led Houses and, and some of the, the, the votes that are happening, it's happening because, again, they are trying to ensure that people in black and brown communities are not really receiving the, the funds that are necessary. For All right. Those watching on Facebook and YouTube, keep watching. We're out of time here. We're out of time here on 9 10 a.m. Superstation WFDF. Be sure to visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Register for the online courses I teach on Saturday and Sunday. We have uh, Understanding, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, where they didn't teach you in school, on Sundays, 12 uh, noon to 2 p.m. And then also on Saturday, uh, from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865-1868. All right. Right now, it's correct. Wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. We're kind of forever. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. All right. Stand by, everybody. Uh, okay. We're going to continue uh, this clip here. And we'll talk uh, briefly here about this article. Uh, I talked about it because uh, I come up next after Teresa in this segment here. Uh, 19 states passed, uh, passed this year laws to restrict voting new tally fines this article is from october 4th 2021 cnn msn.com also picked up this article as well 
Okay, we're going to go, uh, let me cue this clip up here. Because we're only on 9, 10 a.m. for um, one hour, uh, Monday through Friday. Okay, stand by. Let me cue this clip up here. And I'll be back uh, on Roland Martin Unfiltered on Friday. Also, I'm normally on Friday. But um, the producer contacted me, contacted me, asked me if I could do uh, actually Monday. And uh, I said I couldn't do Monday. So I said I could do today. Let's go back. Meaning the the funds that are necessary. So back this up a little bit. The the votes that are happening is happening because again they are trying to ensure that people and black and brown communities are not really receiving the the funds that are necessary. Some of the social services that are needed. They're a lot making sure that their voice are being heard. And that's where we have these issues. That's why we always see black and brown communities always taking um, the fight right straight to the ones who are making the decisions. So that's either in the Senate or um, Senate or in Congress or at President Biden's feet. But again, what Mustafa said, it's about priorities. And I think Biden administration really needs to really maintain the, the, the promises that were made in the beginning that really secured his vote. Look, it's real simple here, Michael. Um, you hear the activists saying this. Latasha Brown has said it. Cliff Albright has said it. And that is, these you cannot out-organize voter suppression. And so it's like, Democrats, what the hell do you think is going to happen? What do you think is going to happen? Right. You know, um, this is all about self-preservation. It's about self-preservation for African-Americans. It's about self-preservation for Democrats in the House of Representatives in the 2022 midterm election. It's about self-preservation also for uh, Democrats in the Senate that are up for re-election as well. Uh, You have 19 states that have passed uh, 33 new voter restriction bills. States that have been states where it's already harder, states where it's already hard to vote are passing more voter restriction bills. And then you also had 25 states that passed, 20, that passed 62 uh, bills to make it easier to vote. So states where it's easier to vote are making it easier to vote. Um, Biden should uh, do, Biden was here in Michigan today. He was in Howe, Michigan today, pushing his infrastructure bill, which is needed. But you also need to go on a tour. You also need to go to certain states. You should, I, I think you should go to Arizona. And I think he should go to West Virginia and do a speech there about voting rights. But we have to, I I can't stress this enough, if this just remains, if voting rights just remain a black issue, I don't want the Senate, okay? It it has to be expanded because this impacts more than just black people. When you have these voter restriction bills, this, you, you have 38 million disabled Americans who are registered to vote, okay? When you talk about restricting mail in ballots, you're talking about hurting them. We just saw the women's reproductive activists, about 200,000 of them, uh, 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 assembling this, this past weekend. When you talk about restricting voting rights, okay, you're talking about hurting white women. You're talking about hurting college students, okay? So this, I, I, you know, I love John Lewis. I understand 65. I understand the Voting Rights Act. But this is bigger than just a, a black issue. And lastly, Roland, notice how silent corporations have gone. Because, see, corporations were putting out memos and things like this just a few months ago on voting rights. You, they, they've gone completely silent. Okay? So, also, 
pressure has to be put back on, on corporations as well to uh, speak up and put pressure on, on politicians also, like Manchin and Cinema, who, who they help finance. Well, again, I mean, that, that absolutely has to happen. That's why Black Voters Matter, uh, they're doing what they're doing. And so we certainly support what they're doing. All right. So um, so in that segment, we didn't mention that the Senate is taking up the John Lewis Voting Rights Act on Wednesday. Uh, so the debate on the on the bill starts Wednesday. Um, the if we look at this article here from CNN. Uh, 19 states passed this year laws to restrict voting new tally fines, October 4th, 2021. And the tally was done by the Brennan, Brennan Center for Justice. 19 states have enacted 33 new laws. Uh, now, also 25 states have passed 62 new laws to expand voting rights as well. Uh, the states where it's already hard to vote are passing laws to make it harder. The states where it's easier to vote are passing laws to make it easier. Okay. Um, and you have, let's see, uh, 19 states. You have, um, if we go and look at this here. So the report, which covers, the report, which covers legislative activity from uh, January 1st through September 27th. Four states bundled together an array of new voting restrictions into single omnibus bills, Texas, Florida, Georgia, and Iowa. Now, four states, Arkansas, Montana, Texas, and Arizona passed multiple laws to restrict voting. Okay, passed multiple laws to restrict voting. Arkansas, Montana, Texas, and Arizona. Many states. Many state laws hit on common themes. Seven of the state laws, um, for instance, impose tougher identification requirements to cast ballots. Seven states also shortened the window to apply for a mail-in ballot. Okay. Uh, the report also highlights a growing divide in the country. Some states have headed in another direction and have lowered barriers to voting in all 25 states have enacted 62 laws that expand voting access uh brennan center for justice uh researchers concluded okay so uh, i can't i can't stress enough that if you go to the, to the Senate and, and this is just a black issue, you're going to lose in the Senate. You got to You have to expand this. The and this is something that Reverend William Barber. With the uh, uh, poor people's campaign and moral Mondays, this is something he realizes, because when you talk when you talk about. Uh, these voter restriction bills, there's seventeen hundred fewer polling places today compared to uh in 2013 in compared to 2013 before shelby versus county uh, uh shelby county versus holder u.s supreme court case uh struck down section five of the voting rights act there's 1700 fewer polling places there were 868 fewer polling places in the uh 2016 presidential election 
And that goes back to Shelby County versus Holder. And that U.S. Supreme Court case struck down uh, the uh, preclearance in the Voting Rights Act because prior to uh, prior to uh, Section five being struck down and and weakened, um, any changes that. A county or a city wanted to make to polling places, locations of polling places. Uh, how many weeks you can have early voting, things like that. They had to get clearance from a federal judge. Well, Shelby County versus Holder struck that down in, in within 24 hours. When you research this within 24 hours of that Supreme Court decision, states started passing uh, new voter restriction bills to suppress, especially the African-American vote, but college students, uh, people who, you know, Latinos, people who lean more democratic, but especially African-Americans. This article here is by Ari Berman. Ari Berman wrote a series of articles leading up to the 2016 presidential election dealing with the voter restriction and the the attack on voting rights that were taking place, the voter suppression tactics that were being used. There are 868 fewer places, places to vote in 2016 because the Supreme Court gutted the Voting Rights Act. 868 fewer places. What you you have to have a multi, you have to have a coalition of people from different segments of the population that are affected by these voter restriction bills. But you have to articulate how these people are are being hurt because when we talk about voting rights, Voting rights automatically associated with African-Americans and Dr. King and John Lewis, the civil rights movement, Bloody Sunday, March 7th, 1965, Edmund Pettus Bridge, the movie Selma from Ava DuVernay. So that automatically gets associated as a black people's issue. There are a lot of people who who, who will be negatively hurt by these voter restriction bills. But if you don't show the connection between them and show people of different different races ethnicities, geographical locations, demographics, et cetera, how this is going to hurt them as well and how and how this bill, Freedom to Vote Act, or For the People Act, Freedom to Vote Act, John Lewis Voting Rights Act, how it's beneficial to you, if it's just looked at as a black issue, it's not going to pass. This, African-Americans only make up three and a half percent of the population of West Virginia where Joe Manchin is senator. And the other senator from West Virginia is a Republican. So you got to hit these different demographics that are negatively hurt by these voter restriction bills. Okay. That's why this can't just be, this can't be framed as just a black issue. You're going to lose. All right. This is, this is understanding how to speak and, and, and see those different, those different demographics women's reproductive uh, rights and, and women's rights and things like this, all of them are going to be hurt by those voter restriction bills. They have to be galvanized and put pressure on senators in their state in West Virginia and Arizona, Manson and Cinema, but also on the corporations. There has, to, there has to be a 50 state strategy. It can't just be a one or two state strategy. There has to be a 50 state st- strategy and put pressure on the senators, but also corporations as well. Because the corporations have gone silent. 
And some of those same corporations who were putting out statements just a few months ago, uh, after uh, after Senate Bill 201, uh, I think it was, passed in Georgia, then you started having some corporations coming out speaking. Some of these same corporations donated money to Black Lives Matter organizations and social justice organizations during the protests in 2020, the summer protests in 2020 over the killing of George Floyd, et cetera. Okay. Now they've gone silent. They have amnesia and laryngitis. They've gone silent. Well, those two, those two are connected. Voting rights and social justice, they're connected. And politics is the legal distribution of scarce wealth found resources and the writing of law, statutes, ordinances, amendments, and treaties, their adoption, interpretation, and enforcement. So we have to have a 50-state a, a strategy. This, this cannot be labeled as a black issue. That's a good way to lose. All right. Uh, how's everybody doing? Share this broadcast on you know, social media platforms. Invite your friends to tune in. Follow us on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, The African History Network, and our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. If you like this type of information, you can support The African History Network, dollar sign, The AHN Show through Cash App. Dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App, also through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. We're here six days a week. This helps us keep doing the research, stay on the air, keep broadcasting, pay some of the bills, etc. Our official Cash App account is dollar sign the AHN show, S H O W. When you go to it, it uh, shows, it says Michael and shows my picture there. These others are fake African History Network cash app accounts. There's not, these, these other ones are not me. Uh, somebody set those up. I'm trying to get them shut down. All right. Uh, very quickly here, I'm going to do a quick recap of um, what we talked about in class number one of um, ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, where they didn't teach you in school. So we had a really, really good class number one. And... I ended up doing three hours. The class was supposed to be two hours. But, you know, I just kept going. It was Sunday. I should have stopped because <laughs> I had to do my radio show Sunday night at 9 p.m. But I just kept going. They kept listening, and I just kept going. Uh, so we had a good class, number one. I want to do a quick recap of some of the things we covered. So we deal with thousands of years of history and what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. We, look, we go through and look at the timeline of history, and I have a PowerPoint presentation, and we have uh, video clips and book references, articles, everything, okay? And uh, we go through and then analyze the transatlantic slave trade to have a better understanding of this and understanding that uh, it's our history and culture. It gives us our foundation. It gives us our values, our interests, and our principles. And this influences our... Uh, uh, economic empowerment as well as our political empowerment. So we dealt with everything from, uh, so class number one, we helped lay a foundation. We deal with understanding timelines. We deal with understanding the difference between BC and AD. Uh, we deal with uh, things like Dink Nash. We, we, we look at, we start looking at some archeological discoveries. Okay. We start looking at archeological discoveries that are causing um, researchers and scientists and archeologists and paleontologists to push the timeline, push the timeline timelines back and rethink everything. Uh, we're going to look at more archaeological discoveries in, in class number two. Okay. Um, I think in this one here, I think we talked about the one in Morocco. We talked about the one June 2017 in Morocco of Homo sapiens 
uh, remains of Homo sapiens that date back between 300,000 and 350,000 years ago, which pushes uh, the oldest uh, fossils that they had of, of modern man, Homo sapiens, found in Ethiopia about that date back about 195,000 years ago. But we but we talked about uh, Dinknesh or who Europeans call Lucy, who uh, Australopithecus afarensis dates back 3.2 million years ago. We dealt some with um, Easter. I was making a point um, about understanding what it is that you celebrate if you celebrate European holidays and what determines when Easter is celebrated. A lot of people don't know what determines when Easter is celebrated. Easter is celebrated on the first Sunday following the first full moon following the vernal equinox. And it deals with astronomy. And it actually, that was a result of the Third Council of Trent of um, 15, uh, about 1563, the Third Council of Trent. And uh, this, this is why you have the introduction of the Gregorian calendar uh, by Pope Gregory the 13th, 1582 AD, which uh, the Gregorian calendar is based upon how long it takes the earth to rotate around the sun, uh, 365 days, five hours, 48 minutes, and about 46 seconds. That's the calendar that we use today. And they were trying to recalibrate, coming out of the Third Council of Trent, trying to recalibrate recal when to celebrate Easter. Because they were celebrating Easter, it was getting further and further away from the vernal equinox. And the vernal equinox marched the first day of spring. It's either usually March 20th or March 21st. Okay. So we talked about uh, Easter and Easter, Eastra, Oistra, the origins of the term Easter uh, as well. And um, the, uh, the goddesses uh, Eostra and Ostara, uh, the name Easter may have come from Eostra or Eostra, uh, the, the Teutonic or Anglo-Saxon goddess of spring and fertility whose feast was celebrated around the start of spring. Now, vernal is, is Latin, which means spring, vernal equinox, which marks the first day of spring. Vernal is Latin, which means spring. Okay, vernal in Latin means spring. Um, and she is associated with the hair and egg, both symbols of creation. See, this is where you get the uh, Easter bunny laying chicken eggs. Rabbits don't lay eggs. Rabbits are mammals. Rabbits don't lay eggs. So we're, 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 why does the Easter bunny lay chicken eggs? The uh, Teutonic uh, goddess uh, Eostra was associated with the hare, the rabbit, and egg, both symbols of creation. Ostara is a Germanic goddess who was always accompanied by a hare, H-A-R-E, a rabbit, possibly the ancestor of our modern Easter bunny. The association of both the rabbit and eggs with Easter is probably the vestige of an ancient springtime fertility rite. So we go look at some of this ancient history and we also look at the origins of uh, Christmas, okay? And nowhere in the biblical text does it say that, and okay, what I say may go outside the circumference of some people's awareness. Just because you never heard it before, disagree with it, or don't like it, does not mean it's not true. It just means you have to do some research to understand what I'm talking about. That's how I got on the subject of Easter. We were talking about things outside of the circumference of our own awareness. Um, so when we look at... Um, We also look at the origins of, of uh, Christmas. 
because the word Christmas um, didn't come into existence until mid 11th century AD, around 1050, 1052, uh, comes from uh, uh, the mass of Christ or Christus mass, uh, the mass of Christ. But nowhere in the biblical text does it say that Jesus the Christ was born on December 26th. I mean, it was December 25th. No one in the biblical text does it say that Jesus Christ was born on December 25th. And one of the things we talked about is how, you know, you have to study word origins, the etymology of words. Because when you look at the word Jesus in the dictionary, you look at the etymological di dictionary. It takes you back to the Hebrew Yeshua. Because the letter J didn't exist until 1630 AD. The letter J, that's the anglicized version of the name. The letter J did not always exist, even with the even with the alphabet that we use today. The letter J didn't always exist. The letter J uh, wasn't created to uh, 1630 AD, and the letter J is derived from the letter I. Okay, and this is why in your 26 character alphabet, the letter J comes after I and the letter J is just an I with a hook on it. So if you go to the dictionary, Merriam-Webster, what have you, look at the word Jesus, it takes you back through the languages, takes you back through to Yeshua. Okay. All right. Now, uh, some other things that we talked about were uh, we dealt with the African presence in this country going back at least at least 56,000 years ago. And I talked about how, you know, Americans are very ignorant of history. We deal with that some here on this show. This, this article here from the New York Times talked about how uh, Americans know very little about um, Juneteenth, okay? And if they know very little about Juneteenth, they probably know very little really about the history of slavery as well. Uh, so read this article here from uh, the New York Times. Most Americans know little or nothing about Juneteenth poll finds. It's about 62% or so uh, know very little or nothing. 60% know very little or nothing about Juneteenth. But a lot of what African-Americans know about Juneteenth is not, is not accurate either. Okay, so, it, so we also dealt with uh, the Khoisan and uh, the African presence in the Americas dating back tens of thousands of years ago before Native Americans uh, come into existence, all right, before Native Americans come into existence. And we know that um, we reference uh, Dr. David M. Hotep, the first Americans were Africans, documented evidence. Um, in page 14 of his book, he lays out, and I've interviewed him a number of times, he's a friend of mine, um, but we reference his book in the class. Page 14 of his book deals with the discovery from Dr. Albert Goodyear in 2004 in Allendale County, South Carolina, that um, where, where they found 13 different types of evidence, 13 different types of evidence uh, to thoroughly document an African presence in the Americas dating back at least uh, 51,700 years ago. They found artifacts, architecture, campsites, carvings, Egyptian writings, Footprints in lava, genetic M174D haploid groups dealing with DNA and genetics, linguistics, paintings, skulls, skeletons, structures, and, and tools. They found 13 different types of evidence thoroughly documenting the African presence in the Americas 
at least 51,700 years ago. This is before Native Americans come into existence, before Europeans are on the face of the earth. African people are the original Americans. Now, this does not mean the transatlantic slave trade did not take place. It just means we were here before the transatlantic slave trade started, okay? And different things are going to happen at different periods of time. So, yes, the transatlantic slave trade takes place, but we were here tens of thousands of years before that happened. Uh, this is a article from ScienceDaily.com, scientific website to deal with scientific discoveries and archaeological discoveries. Uh, November 8, 18, 2004, they have this article dealing with Dr. Albert Goodyear and his discovery in South Carolina. New evidence puts man in North America 50,000 years ago. So they talk about the discovery there. Um, and then also on the Khoisan, who had the oldest DNA on the planet, LandOfBlackStar.com had a good article. And there's a lot of information out on the Khoisan. Uh, five ethnic groups that proved the first humans were black. But in October 2012, genetic study published in Science Magazine uh, found that the Khoisan in Southern Africa are the oldest ethnic group of modern humans with their ancestral line originating about 100,000 years ago, with their ancestral line originating about 100,000 years ago. The Khoisan, formerly called by the derogatory term Bushmen, are genetically unique and no other uh, currently known population had separated so early from our common modern human ancestor, according to the report. Okay, so we talked about we talked about that, and then also I dealt with the fact that See, there's so much talk about 1619 and people, this is the problem with 1619. Um, even though it did happen August 20, 1619, when 29 Africans are exchanged for food and water and supplies, they're on the White Lion pirate ship uh, and English uh, pirates hijacked the San Juan Batista uh, Portuguese slave ship um, around um, uh, the Gulf of Mexico and took uh, about 50 Africans off of that slave ship, put them on two ships, pirate ships called the White Line and the Treasurer. The White Line and the Treasurer come into Virginia August uh, 1619, okay? And August 20th, they're going to be exchanged for food and water and supplies. That did happen, but they're, um, that's not when African people first came to this land. We were here for tens of thousands of years before that, number one. Number two, the Spanish are taking Africans into the territory we call South, South Carolina in 1526. Okay, this is this is before uh, 1619. This is 93 years before 1619. They're taking Africans into the territory we call South Carolina in 1526. That's not talked about a lot. All right, so we dealt with, we dealt with some of that history, just laying a foundation dispelling some myths um i also talked about the fact that malcolm x used the term african-american in the ballad of the bullet march 29 1964 because the term african-american was not created by reverend jesse jackson he reintroduced the term the term african-american goes back to uh earliest recorded uses usage is may 15 1782 in philadelphia pennsylvania Malcolm used the term African-American in the Ballad of the Bullet, uh, but also um, we were calling ourselves African-Americans in 1960. Now, Professor James Small is one of my teachers. He's told me that personally. We were calling ourselves African-Americans in the 1960s. The term Afro-American dates back to the 1830s. 
So you have, uh, in, in, if you go to 1898, you had the Afro-American council founded by Bishop Alexander Walters and T Thomas fortune 18 round, right around 1890, 1892, you had the national Afro-American league, uh, right around 1882, you have the, um, Afro-American, uh, newspaper, black owned newspaper founded in Baltimore. They're still there. They still exist. So Afro-American wasn't created in 1960s. It just resurfaced. Af African-American wasn't created in late 1980s, 88, 89 by Jesse Jackson. No. Uh, read this article here. New York Times. The term African-American appears earlier than thought. This is from 21st, 2015. They talk about a book of sermons in Philadelphia. It says written by the African-American. Um, and at, in a, in the Pennsylvania journal on May 15, 1782, used the term African-American. So we went through, we just laying a foundation in, in class number one, not trying to get too deep, just, just laying the foundation to build upon for class two. Um, it, we, we also talked about how. Americans are very ignorant of history. So there was uh, one, there was a study from, we've talked about it here before, uh, January 19th, 2021, CBS News ran, ran this story that dealt with how most Americans uh, don't know what's in the U.S. Constitution, January 19th, 2021. Most Americans don't know what's in the U.S. Constitution. And this also ties into history as well in understanding law, Constitution, all of this. This is why those dumbasses that were there for the insurrection January 6th said the president sent us here. You know, do you trespassing? President doesn't control the U.S. Capitol building. He controls the White House or she controls the White House. U.S. Capitol building, that's a separate branch separate branch of the federal government. That's the legislative branch. President doesn't control the legislative branch. But so read, read, read this article here. They go through and talk about the inauguration and everything. Cause this is January 19th, 2021. So this is the day before the inauguration. Okay. And they talk about the 12th amendment to the U S constitution and uh, the constitution, 7,500 words and uh, uh, the 12th amendment. Sort of, they were certifying the um, electoral college votes, all of that. Okay. And they go out on the street and they ask people questions about the Constitution, but just basic questions like name the three branches of government. A lot of people can't do that. The three, I mean, that's just schoolhouse rock. I'm a bill on Capitol Hill. But a lot of people can't, you know, name the three branches of government. There was a study from um, uh, from a couple of years ago. There was an article from Alabama.com. That deals with how uh, one in five Americans can't name one of the branches of government and only 39% of Americans surveyed can name all three branches of government. Okay. Uh, this article here, September 19th, 2019, one in five Americans can't name a single branch of the U S government. Now they probably all voted for Trump. Amberg Public Policy Center's Civic Knowledge Survey found only two in five American adults or 39% could correctly name the three branches of 
the executive, uh, three branches of government, executive, legislative, and judicial. That figure was the highest in five years, up from 32% last year. So in, so in 2018, only 32% of Americans, basically a little less than a third, could name all three branches of the federal government. So uh, political scientists and and history professors and things like this, they're, they're saying you're going to have a, a you're going to have a, um, we're, we're looking at a, how do they put it? A, uh, a, a civics, uh, a crisis of civic education, a crisis of civic education. But all this ties into history. And we have to understand history and the laws and policies put in place to, to understand how we got to where we are here. Okay. And we can look and see that people don't understand the Civil War because January 6th insurrection, that's a continuation of the U.S. Civil War. That's a, that's a continuation of the, 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 the Civil War was an insurrection. That's a continuation of that. Okay, so read this article here. Uh, so we dealt with that and then we dealt with, we did like three hours. I'm just, just some notes that I made or some things that we talked about. I went through a timeline of history as well. Just laid a foundation for class number one. Okay. Um, all right. So those are, those are some of the things that, um, we dealt with, and let me look at this here. We looked at some work from, uh, we looked at a couple of archeological discoveries as well. Uh, we're going to look at a lot more archaeological discoveries in class number two. Okay, in class number two. All right, so this is a 10-week online course that I teach. This is on um, Sundays. It's a 10-week online course. This is on Sundays. Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. So Kemet's one of the original names for Egypt. We deal with thousands of years of history and what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. We talk about ancient Kemet, Nubia, Ethiopia, uh, Ghana, Songhai, Mali. We deal with the 800 year occupation of Europe by the Africans known as the Moors. We take you throughout history chronologically. We do the sessions live. All the sessions are recorded. You can go back and watch them anytime. You can watch from around the world as well. You can use this information with your children also. Because uh, that's one of the things we talked about, the attack on critical race theory and critical race theory is not taught in K through 12 schools. And this is just a right wing attempt to uh, suppress teachings dealing with history, African-American history, systemic racism, et cetera, but also galvanize uh, Republicans for the 2022 midterm elections as well. So at our website, just click on register here. And it takes you to the next page. And then just click on enroll right here. The class is regularly $130. It's also $80. As soon as you register, you can watch the class we just did. And there's also some bonus content uh, that you'll get as well. All right. Then the second class that I teach, uh, the second one is on Saturdays. Um, the second class is from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. From the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. The second class picks up 
basically where uh, understanding the transatlantic slave trade leaves off. Because there's so much information that I had in the first class. There was additional information that I wanted to deal with because we really need to go through and analyze a little more than a 100-year period of history from 1865 in the end of the Civil War through 1968. So this is what we do in this class. Each class we go through and analyze approximately a 10-year period of history to understand what happened to us after slavery ended, the laws and policies put in place that brought us to where we are today and all these structural inequities that we're dealing with so we understand where we need to go from here. And when we go through the late 1880s, in the 1890s, early 1900s, we see the voter suppression tactics that are being used to suppress the African-American vote because we were, you know, during Reconstruction, we elected about, about 2,000 uh, African-American elected officials. And we're going to see states like Mississippi with the Mississippi Plan of 1890. We're going to see uh, states uh, change their state constitutions to... Uh, suppress the African-American vote and institute poll taxes and literacy tests. And uh, in some cases, like in Louisiana, uh, institute uh, property ownership requirements because Louisiana, they uh, changed their state constitution in 1901. Uh, South Carolina does in 1895. And, and with the Mississippi state constitution of 1890, uh, with that change, they institute a poll taxes and literacy tests. Um, that become that, that was known as the Mississippi plan, and that became the model that other southern states adopted to suppress African Americans as well. Now, this is at a time, 1890, African Americans were the majority of the population in Mississippi. Okay, and they said when they said we are here to exclude the Negro. When it came to why they're having this state convention, they said we are here to we came here to exclude the Negro. They're trying to lock us out of voting rights okay they're trying to lock us out of voting they're trying to lock us out of, of political power and this was a continuation of ending reconstruction and after reconstruction ends we're going to see a reversal of uh the rights african americans had an attack on that and a rise in domestic terrorism against us as well okay so we deal with this so we take you through uh reconstruction jim crow era World War One, World War Two, Great Migration, 1915-1970, uh, Civil Rights Movement, Black Power Movement. Okay, so that is uh, from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865-1968. That class is uh, on sale $70, regularly $130 on sale, limited time only. As soon as you register, um, there's a couple, uh, you can watch, there's a couple classes, uh, previous classes you can watch. And next class is uh, Saturday, October 9th. We do that Saturdays, 12 noon to 2 p.m. All right, so we, uh, we'll post a link here. You can register and then also at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. So look, we have to get out of here. Remember at the African History Network, we focus on educating, empowering, empowering and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world. Because right now it's correct wrong behavior. It's not over till we win, we're kind of forever. Thanks for tuning in. Follow us on Facebook, the African History Network. Definitely follow us, follow us on YouTube because Facebook may go back down again. Follow us on YouTube. Internal notifications uh, on YouTube, Michael Limhotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. On YouTube, turn on live notifications so you know when we go live. All right, right now it's correct. Wrong behavior is not over till we win. We're kind of forever. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. Hi, I'm Joel Wilson. 
President and CEO of JCW Computer Consulting, LLC, a technology implementation firm with over 20 years of satisfying customers. We offer a full spectrum of industry top-tier branded services. We are an authorized partner or reseller for Lenovo, Zoom, T-Mobile, Microsoft 365, and Surface tablets, Google Workspace, Acer, Asus, Samsung, PCmatic security software, and many more. Our online store features laptops, Chromebooks, computers, printers, accessories, and software. Businesses, take advantage of our free one-hour Zoom tech consultation and know we offer top nationwide high-speed internet service providers, voice over IP, and cellular phone services. Home users, don't miss our current in-stock Chromebook inventory. Please visit us at jcwcc.com or call 215-879-6701. Gain knowledge in minutes from insightful summaries of progressive and socially conscious books. Blacklisted gives you access to curated content that will satisfy your curiosity to learn and understand different perspectives. Empower yourself through inspirational and actionable ideas. It's easy to read or listen to on the go. Blacklisted. Empower yourself. Start your free trial today.